0: Joe Biden doesn't leave classified documents. This is just becoming weird. It's like wherever he goes, he just leaves a, a, a cache of classified documents. You
1: know, that's a good point. I like the picture being painted there. And, and I know in the past you've worked with groups of little kids, but you ever have like your two-year-old kid and they're in the diapers and they're kind of figuring out, but not quite figuring it out. And sometimes they've figured it out, but they're too lazy to go and let mom or dad know my diaper needs to be changed. And they're running through the house and as they run through their leaving a trail on the floor. Yikes. And you can tell where they've been.
2: Yeah, or socks.
1: The Socks, yeah. But the stuff from the diaper. That's the picture Ted Cruz paints on Joe Biden. Like everywhere he goes, he's just a two-year-old in diapers and he's talking about classified <laughs> documents. Huh? He's leaving classified documents everywhere he goes, like a little two-year-old. Uh, FBI yesterday Searching a Biden home in Delaware. Marsh, do we add to the scoreboard this morning?
3: We'll we'll modify the scoreboard. How's that sound?
1: We'll modify it. They did apparently pull out. So the FBI is looking and Team Biden is all, well, listen, you know, this was uh, it was consensual. We knew this was coming. We encouraged it. They did pull out apparently uh, out of the house. They pulled out like some little handwritten notes and things like that, but nothing Nothing spectacular. And I I heard this from progressives yesterday. All those documents. uh, Trump has been planting those. (laughs) Probably has. In Biden's. I don't know how he would have done it. I mean, that garage was pretty secure. It was locked. I don't know how Trump would have gotten into that garage if it was locked to plant documents. I I don't know how Trump would have gotten into the Ben uh, Penn Biden think tank. Don't know how that would have happened. Came down the chimney. And they're wanting to know, OK, so what's in the documents you've lied so far about? Well, we're transparent and this. You hit documents. You hit the fact that classified documents have been found prior to a midterm election. You lied to the American people about that. Uh, come on, man. What are you doing? But the other thing here is now what's in the documents? What is in it that now the FBI is looking? We know now the documents have been found in more than one place. So what is in the documents? This reporter asking a White House council member, I actually think this is one of Joe's personal attorneys, but asking him who else has seen the documents. And then the other question, was there any reason to believe that anybody else in the Biden family would have also had access to
3: these same documents? Yeah, I'm not going to speak to sort of the negotiations or discussions. So he didn't answer
1: the question, and I think... Marsh, as a journalist, that's a pretty important question that you would be asking. It might be at the top of your list, or at least close to it. (laughs) It might be my third number one priority on my list of priority questions. My number one question, that's in the top three for my number one question. Howsworth, wouldn't that be at the top of your list? Who else has seen those documents?
0: Yeah, I I think that's fair to say. Um, But by the same same token, his answer, they're not going to... They're not
1: going to say too much in response. Sure, And that's key. And here's why. It's not just a random question. We know in the first batch there were documents related to Iran and Ukraine. Guess what else is potentially related to Ukraine? Hunter Biden. And again, if you get this, well, who cares about the fact that he was hanging out with hookers and doing cocaine and all that? That's not the point. The point is what is apparently on that laptop. Business dealings with people from other countries leveraging the family name. Uh, for profit so yeah who else has seen those documents how much does hunter biden i think those are those are completely fair and not only fair and reasonable questions they're necessary questions when you've got the president's son the president of the united states who's had these documents all across dropping them like little gifts like a two-year-old across the floor when the diaper's not tight the, that's a necessary question by the way Hunter Biden's team is going to Fox. You need to apologize. And Fox is saying apologize for what? Defamation. Okay, what's not true? Was he not hanging out with hookers? Was he not doing cocaine? Well, you just still need to apologize. Because sometimes, and that is the power sometimes of media, whether it's national or locally. And I would like to take credit here on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950 KWLS for, I don't know, I don't know what to call this. Hannah, you got this letter. Uh, Columbia Public Schools, the the embattled Columbia Public Schools. And if you're newer to the show or you're quite, you know, trying to figure out things that are going on, this is not the only issue, by the way, for the Columbia Public School District. They've had their uh, heads stuck in the sand and up their rear ends for a long time now. They don't deal well with parents. Uh, Poor test scores. Uh, indoctrination that does happen in the schools. It's not a talking point. I have assignments on my cell phone that parents have sent me. Yes, CRT is happening in those schools. I've seen the assignments. These little kids write. Like, well, I would have felt bad because, because the Indians and my skin color. I have seen the assignments. It is happening in the Columbia Public School District. The latest thing, where they took kids to a performance that included a drag performance, not telling the parents. Two week, that happened two weeks ago, and now we have a letter of apology. From the superintendent of the Columbia Public School District. And Hannah... Kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Hannah will, will fact check me on this. A lot of times I get accused, whether it's from listeners, what have you. Well, you're too positive. You're too hopeful. You expect the best out of people. Yeah. You're right. I do. And I take no qualms with that. It's a better headspace to live in. Um, I, I saw this uh, letter and I was very hopeful. And then I read it. My gosh. Hannah, what was your take on on this when you got the letter?
2: So I saw that there was a letter, and my first thought immediately was he resigned.
1: Thank goodness.
2: It's his resignation letter. And I start skimming it, and it's, you know, a full-page letter. So I'm kind of skimming the beginning of each paragraph going, okay, where's the part where he resigns? And it's not there. (laughs) It's not there. They
1: they didn't sell off the T's. Oh, it's a letter from the much maligned, much maligned uh, superintendent of the Columbia Public School District. And it's not just about the schools, but it's taxpayers. It's the community. By the way, our Attorney General, uh, uh, Mr. Bailey, was on Fox again last night talking about these disgusting things happening. And it's all because of Yearwood and the mouthpiece for the Columbia Public School District and the school board and the teachers unions. It's all because of them bringing bad publicity. To a place that we love a place that we call home marsh your take on the letter
3: oh i don't know it was kind of it was it was finally crafted but it yep. was i don't know if excuses is the right word it, it wasn't really an apology kind of letter that that you might expect
2: it was fluffy
3: it's a boyfriend apology hey
1: baby i'm sorry you got mad that i was out all night But I'm not sorry. I'm sorry you got mad. You're not taking ownership for your behavior. Hey, honey, that was wrong. I was out late doing things maybe I shouldn't have been doing, but I did not communicate. This is a boyfriend apology. It's apologizing, but not really apologizing. I want to start with the first line. Here's why I say that. Dear CPS families, over the last week, there has been much discussed regarding the City of Columbia's diversity celebration. No. No. There has not been discussion regarding the city of Columbia's diversity celebration. That's deflection. What has been the point of discussion has been the ignorance and how anybody in a school district, when you have the mouthpiece for the school district, who is on the planning board for the city separately for this event, who knew that was going to be there. The spokesperson for the Columbia Public School District knew there was going to be drag performers there. So people aren't talking about Columbia's diversity celebration. They're talking about the ignorance of the Columbia Public School District, the lack of communication, and now for two weeks, for two weeks, no, we've done nothing wrong. Call the city. This is not a big deal. What, what, blah. Uh, two weeks later, this a- apology, and it's not an apology. Uh, what people were talking about was the lack of communication and the fact that you brought drag dancers to an event where you knew little kids were going to be, where you had uh, a, a nonverbal autistic child. And I love, if you've watched this video, uh, if you've watched this video, you've seen, remember, that one of the things that we're doing, highlighting Martin Luther King and this poor one, there's a couple of them, but the one specifically, I'm thinking about those people that were there for this Martin Luther King, that were there honoring Martin Luther King and what he's done for civil rights over the years. And this black woman sitting at the table while people like Roy Lovelady and Andrea Weiner start tipping these dancers, handing out dollar bills to these dancers, and we're here to honor Martin Luther King? That is so disheartening. An event to honor arguably one of the greatest civil rights activists of all time. And to see some of these people sitting at these tables, like, my gosh, we're here, and one of the things we're doing is about Martin Luther King. Um. This is horrible. There's a, there's a there's two
0: other things on here that we need to point out. Number one, the apology is in the third paragraph. The apol the in <laughs> in and, and it says for some the city's event demonstrated the importance of inclusion. That's true because we ha- there are a lot. Of Stephen Weber, look at Stephen Weber's tweets. I mean, he is clearly Brianna Lennon, Mayor Buffalo. There are supporters of what David Tyson Smith has defended this and they have been very critical of the attorney general. What he says is for others expectations were not met specifically regarding the level of communication provided to parents either way it's created frustration for many. So that is his but the 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 lead here is really buried Brandon mm-hmm. in the fifth paragraph. Last sentence quote: This is really the story. This will include a review of our permission slip process that incorporates feedback Uh from parents. But what will they do? We don't know. But there is no question that uh, uh,
1: at this point, governor does not plan to meet with Dr. Yearwood. Well, and the other take is Yearwood is not because he's 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 got to resign. Well, I we should be getting another letter shortly. This because this at least as a taxpayer. Uh, this is not acceptable. It's not an apology. It's like the boyfriend apology. Marissa, welcome to the show. 874-9390. 874 You can call or text. Marissa, what's your take on this apology letter?
4: Hey, Brendan. Good morning, everyone. Um, as a CPS parent, I see this apology letter as too little, too late. Yeah. Um, the true feelings were last week from Michelle Baumstark and Dr. Yearwood where Dr. Yearwood gaslighted us, telling us how we should feel yep. about that event, yep. and then Michelle Baumstark came out and basically told us, unless we were at that event, our voices don't matter, yep. and we should sit down and shut up
1: and that is so, wrong since,
4: since exactly since then there's been much national attention, yep. much attention from the a g yep. From the governor, um, Rowden met secretly with Dr. Yearwood and neither one of them refused to tell parents what was discussed, you know, and t- all the transparency that they talk about, but they hide secret meetings. And since yeah. this secret meeting and all the backlash, now we have an apology. Hmm, seems yep. a little
1: forced and fake to me. A- agreed. Trying to save your job. And the call should not stop for the superintendent and anybody else to resign. Now, Caleb Rowden did meet. He did confirm with me via text. He did, uh, he did meet with Dr. Yearwood and said, hey, uh, you know, we'd love for the community to hear what took place in that meeting. Here's the text I got from State Senator Caleb Rowden still working through the conversation with them. We asked for a couple of small action items, and I'm going to wait until I hear on the status of those before next steps. And I've asked that he uh, keep us... Posted. we'll have more on this coming up a little bit later this morning let's wake up mid-missouri producer hannah's over there hello there's mr john marsh good morning my name is brandon ranthe How's worth is here steph be back here in a few days coming up six thirty-five this morning uh state rep kent hayden talking about this roadkill bill which is actually it's kind of interesting and you think about where we live in rural missouri basically in the amount of roadkill we deal with uh people from the city just don't uh, ah, well, that's not entertaining it's entertaining and it's important. 710, uh, President Deb Haig from Moberly School District. She's going to be joining us this year. They enacted no cell phones in schools. I wanted to just kind of see how it's going. Then 835, Governor Mike Parson, he is going to be joining us on the show. We're going to be talking about the budget, pay raise for thousands, and this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with
3: Brandon Rathard. Job at Boise Cascade. I got a commercial license because my dad used to run an automobile agency. Yeah, I used to drive a tractor trailer. Oh, and awesome. Uh, <laughs> and so I know a little bit about driving big trucks. It means that I've worked in the east side. I deliberately went and worked for three years to make sure I was the God.
1: That's Joe. Can you believe that there are 77 percent of Democrats that approve of how Joe Biden is doing his job? That's getting us into today's daily D.C. rundown here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And I'm serious. Like, if you're a Democrat listening right now or you know somebody that still approves, because we know um, we have an influx of young voters over the past couple of years Um young people that have voted for biden we have a whole bunch of new listeners and regretful biden voters that are going my god what did i do but if you were one of those that still approves of the job that joe biden is doing no arguments no debate i would love to get a phone call from you and just tell me just tell us because we're all sitting around the fireplace looking at our radios at night going what the heck we're scratching our heads who is approving of the job that the president of the United States is doing? And I would love to hear that from somebody that still approves of what he's doing. Here's some other interesting numbers. Uh, his approval rating down uh, compared to last month. 64% of Americans, by the way, the overwhelm. There's 300 plus, what, 330 million people here in America. The majority of those Americans, we're talking, what, maybe almost 170, 175 million Americans this morning, waking up, getting on with our day, not pleased about the track that our country, the United States of America is on, not pleased about it. Man, that's huge. All right, other things happening in the Daily D.C. rundown. Of course, Joe Biden, another search yesterday, the FBI searching President Joe Biden's vacation home in Delaware. They didn't turn up any classified documents, Um, But agents did take some handwritten notes and other materials relating to Biden's time as vice president for review kind of like when the cops say hey you're not under arrest but we'd like to sit down and chat with you we are looking for this person the fbi is saying we're just wanting this stuff but they're much larger animals so
3: and you know they they get hit they'll they'll, they'll run onto someone's
1: property brian boyce cole county public works superintendent joining us on this show yesterday talking about uh, how they do the uh, the roadkill which is a big thing as a matter of fact there is legislation happening right now in jefferson city as it relates to roadkill this is some Thing i am uh intimately familiar with i live uh out on <laughs> ww
2: maybe wrong choice of words <laughs> doesn't
1: sound good uh but road, where i live we see a lot of a lot of roadkill uh in a uh, rural area by the way the entire conversation yesterday with brian Boyce, cole county public Works superintendent that was pretty cool i gotta say i mean i'm not trying to humble brag on our show but good work marsh
3: yeah brian brian is uh a good guy. He's he's there for us when the weather gets bad, but he also is able to weigh in on this this deal with with the roadkill and didn't cheap to haul them off. Producer Hannah, good work.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, how's worth good work. Thank you, sir. My I think name-
2: we've peaked. <laughs> I'm not sure it gets better from here. Hey,
1: when we chatted uh, with uh, <laughs> Mr. Boyce, Cole County Public Works Superintendent regarding uh, roadkill, uh, that's that's that that was our that was our peak. But what is interesting is, uh, seriously, what do we do with it? If you missed any of that conversation, you can go to our websites, 939theeagle.com and kwos.com. kwos.com, 8 o'clock hour, I think it was yesterday. It was just a, it was a, it was a fascinating conversation regarding the actual removal of roadkill. But then we kind of make it serious for a minute. What what does happen with roadkill? Who's responsibility? What do you do when it's August and you've got something laying off to the side of the road that's been there for a while? And it's starting to foul up an entire zip code. Let's bring in State Representative. Kent Hayden. Kent Hayden reps an area that includes Mexico. Longtime veterinarian, worked for MFA for a lot of years. He is joining us on the show. Uh, Kent, welcome in. I'm glad that you could join us on Wake Up Mid Missouri this morning. Uh, bottom line, what's in your bill here?
5: Basically, our bill says that uh, short of it is that highway department would pick up the deer, Modot, and uh, that the expense of that being paid by conservation and they would bury the deer on conservation land, uh, three foot deep. Uh, this It's interesting, both of these are commissions and both of these legislative, we have very little effect on their finances. And uh, there's a, even a question, can we make them expend money on this? But the reality is, what happens when you got two commissions and neither one of them will do what's right, then who, who is gonna referee this food fight among two agencies, and again, neither one wanted to expend their money to pick up the deer. And the reason it's written the way it is is that conservation, by, by the Constitution, is responsible for deer, and by the Supreme Court, that they they own the deer in essence. But they appear to think that once they hit my car, they're not my deer; they're deer anymore. So that's the food fight that's going on, and uh, it shouldn't have. We shouldn't even have to do this if they do. Basically, do the right thing, and uh, this this bill appeared in uh, three years ago. Tim Rimley at the uh, Moberly had it, and we were promised uh, those us on the conservation uh, committee were promised that they would take care of it. And then <coughs> this spring, I asked, I said, "So, what happened with you taking care of the deer?" And the answer I got: "We didn't say we'd take care; we said we'd talk about it." Mm-hmm. So at that point, mm-hmm. that point, I decided to file a bill and. Paula Brown, who was the uh, minority leader on the Conservation Commission, uh, Democrat from St. Louis, urban area, said, well, I'm going to file the same bill. This is not a this is not a partisan issue. This is not urban rural. This is just what's right for Missouri issue.
1: Let me ask you this, Mister Hayden. Is, I'm thinking of somebody right now, and uh, they're they're driving into work this morning. Uh, they're driving on their way to Hitachi, and they're thinking, "Why should I care about who and the way that roadkill is removed? Why should somebody care about this?"
5: Well, you know, <laughs> this this got start re, revived again this spring. I was at a at a Sunday school uh, meeting and. Somebody said, what about these deer on the highway? And all of a sudden, it almost turned into a uh, torch and pitchfork meeting. I mean, it, it's a hot issue because they stink. Uh, they give a really bad image. If, let's say you've got somebody coming in from St. Louis to look at a business in Mexico, Missouri, or wanting to start a business, and they pass 25 dead, bloated deer on the highway. What kind of image does that give of our state? Or what if you've got tourists coming through and, and they're going from St. Louis to, to Branson and they see 25 dead deer, what's the image that gives the state of Missouri? It's not a positive image. Now, they work, They they used to pick them up, and take them off, and then the conservation department said, no, you're spreading chronic wasting disease when you do that. And I was a chronic, I was an epidemiologist for the Department of Ag for eight years, six of which I was in charge of the Department of Ag's uh, chronic wasting program. You know, and you spread chronic waste and disease by nose-nose contact or by contamination of the premise. So if you leave them on the highway, you're contaminating the premise. That's why we said take them, take them to conservation land and bury them three foot deep, and then you've, you've limited exposure.
0: Representative, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, What you said there about Representative Paula Brown is interesting because she represents an area near where my parents live in North St. Louis County, and there is certainly a deer problem there as well. No question about that. Uh, Obviously, the rural areas as well. Your bill's one sentence basically. Pretty easy to understand. I think think you've explained it to Brandon, but to your point, I want to go back to what you said three years ago. You said conservation told you they were going to take care of of the problem who told you that what did they say and and why would they now say they're going to talk about it
5: well that conversation was there and jeffrey's the assistant director of conservation and basically we were were having the hearing i said okay we're going to work this out and take care of it don't worry about it you don't have to legislate we will we will take it on and then in a follow-up conversation with with Aaron, I said, which is a friend of mine. I said, Aaron, what, what about these dead deer you said you'd take care of? He said, you misunderstood. So we said, we didn't say we'd take care of them. We said, we'd talk about it. And I went back to members of the committee, uh, Don Mayhew, uh, uh Paula Brown. Uh, I, I called the representative who filed the bill initially. I said, Did, was your understanding? They said they were going to talk about it and said, no, they said they were going to take care of the issue. Mm. So again, uh, I don't care how they do it. I just want them to take care of the issue and get the rotten and dead deer off the
1: road. The rotten and dead deer. Get them off the road. State rep. Usually it's counties, I guess, that handle that. And I've heard, and I'm not saying it's anybody locally, but sometimes instead of removing them, I've heard even, even if it's on the shoulder, they'll just, like, kick it off into the dirt. So that way, technically, they don't, they don't have to do that. Our guest, State Rep Kent Hayden, reps the Mexico area, talking about this bill that would deal with the removal of roadkill.
3: Kent, this takes me back to like the early 2000s when I think it was Dave Pierce out of Warrensburg introduced a bill basically trying to get the conservation department to ante up like 250 bucks in damage any time a, a deer jumped out in front of your car. And this sort of sort of sounds like the the same kind of a deal there, only assigning a to who's going to have to take the deer off the road after the fact.
5: Well, I, again, there's... there's... In my district, there's several issues on deer. One, we've got a lot more. I I had a constituent said, I want you to come count deer with me. And that was about the 6th of August, two years ago. And uh, wow. on a farm south of I-70 between Kingdom City and Williamsburg, we counted 160 deer per, in a square mile with half of it in corn. Uh, deer were coming out of the, uh, the waterways just like Jurassic Park. It you know, almost made you fearful they were going to run over you that's adjacent to i seventy it also happens to be uh, about five thousand acres of conservation controlled land south of that adjacent to it south of it, and then uh, there's another five thousand acres of conservation on the north side of seventy and you know uh, that I asked, I asked conservation what should be that i didn 't tell them what our count was. I said, what should our numbers be in that kind of area They said from twenty five to forty, so they're in charge of uh, they're their deer, you know. They they control the permitting, they control the license, they control the numbers. And uh, I have another constituent that had 220 on their property, so uh, that's right around the ball. So we have a deer population problem. Uh, we can't we can't do anything about it except conservation says that we can, and so they they actually gave more permits in those areas, but you had to buy the extra license to get be able to kill them with. Like, Actually, they were helping conservation out. I I asked conservation, well, "Why don't you destroy them on your property?" They we said, "Well, we can't do that." And I said, "Well, why do you expect the farmers to do it?" Now, this brings up another issue. I have a lot of constituents that have deer strikes, and I had one of my car I drive the state every year, and it was about three weeks getting repaired. Well, if I hadn't had if I hadn't had an auxiliary another vehicle, the farm truck, uh, I would have probably lost a job because I couldn't get there. So. It's a big issue, and, you know, we see lots of numbers put out by conservation, in particular the value of deer and the value of deer hunting. Everybody likes to see deer. People like to deer hunt. But none of those numbers ever add in uh, wrecked vehicles, which was about 3,000, roughly 3,000 deer hit, according to Highway Patrol. Uh, I think there was five fatalities related to deer and there's tremendous crop damage. You know, when you're talking about $16, bush, $16 bushel beans or 15 or whatever they are right now, and deer eat 15 or 20 acres and you replant it three times, uh,
1: and these are kind of issues separate of the actual roadkill bill. Our guest, Kent Hayden, state rep from the Mexico area. Thank you for joining us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. And we are, we'll be chatting again with the work that you've been trying to do for folks uh, regarding these hospital closures and what these hospitals in Mexico and Fulton have done. I know you've worked very hard on that. Mr. Hayden, thank you for your time on the show this morning.
2: Appreciate
1: it. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you. This happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Some committee hearing. Congressman Jim Jordan, he's sitting right next to the congressman from New York, Jerry Nagler. I now recognize the ranking member, the gentleman from New York, Mr. Nagler, once he completes his phone call for his opening statement, A little, uh, so Nagler, he's sitting up there with Jim Jordan, and it would be like, hey, John, take part in the show, uh, but finish your phone call first. (laughs) Just something you wouldn't do. There you go. That's what's happening in Washington, D.C. Coming up. Uh, about five minutes from now.
0: They'll never lie to you. They'll never cheat on you. They'll never let you down. They are the best partners to have. Unfortunately, they're the worst partners to have as well because they don't get to stay with us nearly as long as our human counterparts.
1: Man, kudos to Paul Gash, Jefferson City Police Department. He was chatting with KOMU last night. Uh, he was a canine, uh, had the canine dog Drax uh, for Jefferson City Police Department. Apparently, Drax had a short illness and uh, died. And you watch this, um, and you watch the interview, and it's like, man, here's here's a police officer, guys breaking down in tears at the loss of uh, at the loss of his not just his his pet dog, that's your partner, man. Um, yeah, right. I used to, my brother used to make fun of me whenever we had had a pet that died. Cause you grow you grow attached, yeah, to pets. I did, but I can be a softie sometimes. Uh, but I would and my brother he finally drew the line we had a we had a wasn't a parrot it was a parakeet that died and I'm sitting out back by the railroad tracks that bordered our house on Beale Air Force Base in Northern California crying and my brother comes up says you idiot what are you crying for and I I said our little parakeet died and he kicked some rocks on me you're a moron man that's your pet and a police officer Uh, So kudos uh, to the officer, Paul. There's
3: quite the financial layout on those, too. I mean, canine, have them all trained, and they come from European stock and all. They're a lot of money. Um, uh, Malinois
1: Shepherds, Belgian Shepherds, my sister is a police chief, right down I-70. She's had a lot of these over the years, and it is remarkable the time... Uh, the energy and the amount of money that goes into training these police, these canine units to do <clears throat> just some remarkable things. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. John Marsh, producer Hannah. I am Brandon Rothered. Stephanie's going to be back in a few days. Coming up, seven ten. Uh, Deborah Hag, She is principal. Excuse me, Deborah Hagg, She is principal at Moberly High School. This year they enacted a cell phone policy. Says no cell phones. And just kind of wanted to check to see how it's going. There is a story nationally. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the next governor or, excuse me, the next president of the United States of America in 2024 uh, said, uh, said, hey, you know, maybe we should uh, ban cell phones from inside the classrooms. And, of course, progressives freaked out. And I listen, especially you can look at some local school districts and we have been fortunate, fortunate that cell phones have been allowed in the classrooms because we've gotten pictures we've gotten proof of some of the allegations that happen inside specific schools and kids have cell phones and they take pictures of like black lives matter signs in the hallways after we've been told by officials that they've come down that's happened here locally but because a kid had a cell phone in a school we got that proof um I don't know how I am on it, but uh, the principal, Moberly, uh, Moberly High School, she's going to be here coming up at 7 10 on Wake Up, Mid Missouri. Jason and Travis Kelsey. Making history. First time brothers going to oppose each other in the Super Bowl. And they do a little show together. Jason and Travis.
0: Of course, Mayor.
1: Mayor
5: Jabroni.
0: Can we get over this? Let's not keep harping on the mayor. We're talking about it. Let's talk about it. Why did that one get you so fired up? to get a paternity test to see if Earl is really <laughs> Mom's father. You shut the f. Uh, That was a little far. Frickin' weenie. He's a mayor. He's just trying to get his city fired up. You're right.
5: He's a mayor. That's why he should know your role and shut your mouth. Do you even know what a mayor's role is? No. (laughs) you name me three responsibilities of a mayor? (laughs) (laughs) To get votes... Uh. (laughs) he wasn't even mad he was like well yep he got me (laughs) did he really he's like that's fair best of luck to you (laughs) (laughs) pretty fair well now i respect
0: him he took it well he can have fun all right you're not a weenie anymore i take it all back
3: i thought it was all that's pretty good
2: Uh, yeah so if you weren't aware that kelsey brothers have a podcast yeah
3: it might be a caution to families uh they don't leave out the expletives
2: they don't. I was fortunate enough that that F word <laughs> was bleeped. Yeah, already. And
1: somebody who who didn't, uh, they, we should have done a better bleep job on that, uh, actually. <laughs> Whose fault is that, huh? Who put that to? Oh, that's on me? My bad. i it. Better, better
3: send out a letter of apology, Brandon.
1: Well, I'm going to wait two weeks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Make it three, just for good <laughs> Make measure.
1: Make A uh, bunch of locals called for a talk show radio host to resign after he had a lot of expletives on the show. Uh, and I'll say, well, it's Hannah's fault.